give me the flat to dawn with plenty of tailing fish. And the perfect fly rod. Yeah. And get ready for some magic. Awesome Join Bonefish and Tarpon Trust. Nice fish. And help make sure that the magic never ends. Visit tarbone.org to find out how you can help. Good Monday evening, everybody. I am the host of the Monday Night Kickoff Show, Charles Levi, also known as Redfish Chuck. I am riding solo tonight. Uh, Peppy is out with his daughter, Sophia, as she's getting uh, a tooth extracted. Hope all goes well with that. Um, Our thoughts and prayers are with you guys for a speedy recovery from the surgery. What it is, people. (laughs) <laughs> the tide has changed, so to speak. The, uh, I believe our seasons have officially begun to switch. What that means for us here in Central Florida is the, uh, the mullet run has begun. Uh, for sure, it's in full swing. Uh, we've got plenty of, uh, plenty of fish, plenty of mullet cruising around, finger mullet, fingerlings, and, and, and uh, row mullet as well but there's just tons of bait in the river. Got out the other day, since we haven't spoken in a while, got out the other day and was throwing some topwater plugs prior to work and uh, some uh, handcrafted Noel C. Rogers plugs from up there in, uh, I believe he's out of South Carolina, South Kakalaka. Um, If you guys get an opportunity Check out Noel Rogers on Facebook, Noel C. Rogers. His profile picture's got him standing in the surf with some waders on with a nice redfish. The guy makes handcrafted wood lures. They're pretty awesome. Small little lures. Uh, they're, they're the perfect size for small fingerlings. So uh, had a bunch of big trout blow up on those. That was awesome. Um, couldn't connect, but cool to see. Uh, a couple days later, went down looking to see if my juvenile tarpon have shown up, and indeed they have. That's always good. <clears throat> I put several of those up in the air on the fly, and uh, you know, had a bunch more boil at the fly. Also, I was chucking some uh, some uh, flats creepers from. Banks lures, excuse me. Um, yeah, flats creepers and pearl white. I was throwing those weedless on four o hooks, and the tarpon were just slamming those things too. So that was pretty awesome. And then today, I uh, got a chance to get out, do a little, little fun fishing with Al, Captain Alex Gritschke of Local Lines Charters and Guide Service, and uh, we went looking for shepherds, as we like to call them. Those who don't know what a shepherd is, it's nothing more than just a sheephead. We just have that nickname for him. And I officially got owned, so that was fun. <laughs> um, I think the final tally was 570-something sheephead to to nothing, basically. 
Alex landed one, put one in his lap, and then, uh, you know, decent little fish. And then I had a decent one come up to the top and then spit the hook. Lots of swing and misses. So, uh, but fun, fun times nonetheless. And then I got an opportunity to take my boys out to, uh, had an opportunity to take my boys down to the local pond and try and get Trey a bass on fly. And to those of you who are listening who know that my son is only about four years old or so, he uh, he gets a little bit of assistance from Dad. You know, I help him to the cast, but he pretty much does everything else. Strips the fly line and gets the fish on the reel, reels it in, the whole thing. So that's pretty awesome. And then, uh, so yeah, he ended up getting himself a bass and got himself his first uh, bluegill on fly as well, which was awesome. Knocked two fish off the, uh, I guess, his one-day list of things to catch. I don't think he has a bucket list yet, but um, we can go ahead and add to species on fly. Uh, and he also has a tarpon. Don't forget that. And uh, when he was two and a half years old, he caught a little tarpon on a fly. So that was pretty cool. And then probably the highlight of my day, honestly, even though watching Trey catch a couple fish on fly was awesome. My, uh, my youngest Logan, uh, caught his first fish. So a little bluegill and I'm happy to report that Logan has no fear of fish. He, uh, reached right out and grabbed a hold of that sucker. And, um, yeah, we got a good picture with him and, uh, him and the fish and, it was just cool, man. We had, I, had a, I had a very, very good day. Very, very good day. But enough about that. We got a lot of things to talk about tonight, <clears throat> at least a lot of different topics to talk about, uh, different fisheries and things like that. Um, for those of you that have never caught a big, big trout, now is the time to go do it. Um, the water's still nice and clean. The fish are just everywhere in the uh, shallow to, I'd say, moderate depth flats, anywhere from, you know, six inches to a foot of water all the way up to about three foot of water. Um, and top water plugs have been doing doing wonders. So uh, it's been, yeah, it's been pretty good. So, yeah, with that being said, I'm going to hit a real quick commercial break real fast. And once we get back, we'll, we'll dive back into it a little bit. This is odd having to do this by myself now. (laughs) It's been a while, so stay with me, bear with me, and uh, we will be back once I find something here. Yeah, this is, there we go. Stand by. Looking for a group of kayak anglers to share your kayak fishing adventures with? Check out yachtangler.com, your ultimate fishing resource. If you are looking for rigging solutions for your kayak, canoe, or paddleboard, from a pad eye to an anchor trolley, or even lighting up your kayak at night or pre-dawn, Yak Gear and Railblazer are the answer. Visit us at yak-gear.com or visit your local kayak shop. Ask for Yak Gear and Railblazer products. And just so happens that Kayaks by Bow, located in Titusville, the historic district of Titusville, Florida, at 410 South Hopkins Avenue, uh, carries Yak Gear and Railblazer along with everybody else's uh, uh, products you can think of to, you know, to, to rig out your kayak. 
Um, so let's see. Folks, if you want to give us a call tonight and uh, give us a fishing report, feel free to do so. The phone number, as always, is 714-816-4727. 714-816-4727. Yeah, so uh, big trout. Let's see. And if you guys have any questions in the chat room, too, by the way, feel free to spit those out, too. I'm, I'll do my best to try and read that as I'm trying to figure out my way through tonight's show. But uh yeah, big trout, it's been uh it's been one of those 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 years for us so far. Um I've seen many, many trout cruising around on the flats that were pushing, you know, twenty five, twenty six, all the way up to thirty inches. Wade Hollowell got his biggest trout of his life recently during one of the tournaments. He got a thirty incher. My neighbor Doug got one that was pushing 30 inches. So it's definitely the time of year. Um, if you want to net yourself some mullet first thing in the morning, feel free to do that. And, uh, you know, I like to fish a mullet underneath the popping cork. You know, a lot of guys don't, but I, I prefer to fish them that way sometimes. And um, it works real well. You can uh, definitely target a bunch of different species that way, but, for me, off the edges of flats and stuff, that popping cork seems to work real well. Um, free lining them works real well, too, especially if you're going to try and sight fish trout with live bait, uh, which is always exciting. If you can uh, get a finger mullet to go near a, a big giant trout, um, usually results in a hookup. And if that's the case, when I hook my, when I hook my mullet, let's just get into that, I guess. Um, when I hook my mullet, if I'm freelining them and I'm going to use them as for sight fishing purposes, I tend to lift hook them. And the reason why is that I, I don't, I never throw right at a target. I always throw past the target. And if I'm going to drag it over to the fish that's sitting in a pothole or what have you, I don't really want to drag them backwards. And it's just obviously not very natural. So I tend to lift hook them so I can just skip them across the surface, you know, as fast as I can reel and then let them kind of just drop. And, uh, that tends to get the fish's attention and they'll, they'll crush them at that point. Um, when I'm fishing them underneath a popping cork, I like to tail hook them because it, it, it kind of makes them want to dive for the bottom and it, it causes that popping cork to, to just chug back and forth, you know, pretty, pretty fast. Especially if you use this, like the Cajun Thunder style, popping corks that have the metal uh, rod running through them with the beads on them, the clickety, 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 clickety style. <laughs> uh, those work real well, especially with a mullet, like I said, butt hooked underneath it. So, uh, And for trout, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I don't use fluorocarbon typically for big trout. I don't think that it's really that necessary. Um, I like to use monofilament because it's got a little bit more stretch. Uh, I tend to – I personally tend to pull – hooks on big trout from time to time and I feel that it has something to do with the fact that I'm using fluoro and, a, and with braid um, truth be told when I used to go out and just strictly target big trout I'd have a separate spool for my Saros from Shimano my Saros uh, 3000s and that spool would have 12 pound mono on it and I just fish straight 12 pound mono because I like to have that give when they decide to come up to the surface and start shaking their head real hard um, it works pretty well so, uh, yeah, 
But anyhow, so yeah, so that's Did I just kill myself there? Can you guys still hear me? I think I just cut myself off. Oh, no, you can still hear me. Cool. Uh that's weird. I just I just accidentally closed out my uh my uh I just accidentally closed out my um, control panel. Sorry about that. As I slide back into my studio, let's see. Woo! Back in it. All right, cool. So, yeah, squirrel, exactly. Sorry about that, guys. Um, But anyhow, yeah, so if I'm going to use a leader, say, to my braid, typically this time of year I'm still only throwing 10-pound braid, maybe 15 um, you can push it to 20 if you want for, for, if you tend to have wind knots and issues like that, 20 tends to be a little bit stiffer than, than 10, obviously, um, depending upon the manufacturer, uh, 20 is usually the diameter of six pound, um, monofilament. So that, that helps with casting as well. But usually for me, uh, my leaders are going to be anywhere between 12 and I'd say 15 pound test. Um, if I'm live baiting and I know there's big reds in the area, I'll bump it up to 20. Uh, but I typically don't go much higher than that, you know? Um, and, and with that being said too, this is kind of my public service announcement for tonight. If you, if you should just so happen to want to target big reds, uh, like big breeder redfish from now until, next fall please do so with care um it, it's one of those things that i don't even mess with them when the water temperature starts to get a little bit warmer than what it is now i try to avoid them at all costs i mean it's nice sometimes to hook one and, and pulled around a little bit but you know we do more damage than good to those big breeder fish we have here in the lagoon and in the in the south or the north end of the indian river um and quite frankly, I mean, it's just, like I say, it is what it is. It's, I don't know, teach his own. But if you, if you don't mind, try and leave those big guys alone and target those, those slots and upper, just upper slot fish. Um, and then, of course, your, your trout. Something that's been interesting lately in the river is uh, the number of pompano. And I don't know, I talked to a couple of guys recently that had told me that Pompano should stick around, actually, until the water really warms up, which would be interesting to see. Um, I don't think you're going to catch very many pompano throwing plastics up up this way. Um, all the ones that Alex and I saw a couple trips ago seem not to want to um, get involved with any plastics. They, they just shied away from them, and in fact, most of them spooked. But if you should happen to find those small goofy jigs work real well, uh, banana jigs, for those of you that are familiar with those, they're just a small yellow, uh, lead jigs, nothing on them. Usually they're, usually they're poured on an offset hook to kind of make them wobble a little bit. Uh, you can tip them with a piece, a piece of, uh, oh man, what's the fish bites, tip it with a piece of fish bites because that won't get torn off. And if a puffer fish should just so happen to decide to pick at it, you'll have a really hard time biting that thing in half. Uh, works real well. Actually, it works well on just about anything if you wanted to 
get a pack of fish bites and, and cut a little pennant, uh, pennant shaped piece off of uh, pads. You can tip any of your soft plastic jigs with that as well. So, uh, or even small bucktail jigs works, real, <clears throat> works real well for adding scent too. So, I mean, you want to, I mean, it, it, that's, that's, they have their own scent, but if you wanted to kind of dress it up and give it a little bit extra um, zing, I know Justin's there in the chat room. So if just, uh, you know, if Justin's out there fishing, you know, he likes to use his Procure. So if you take the Procure and you squirt it all over that stuff and let it kind of absorb into that, that, uh, that um, material, the scent should last a little bit longer than typical. So pretty cool. Um, what else? Let's see. Redfish. Well, of course. Well, <clears throat> as we go into this transition where our fish are going to s- not stop completely feeding on uh, crustaceans, but definitely slow way down on it, and they're going to focus more on the mullet run. And usually with the mullet run comes the mass numbers of pinfish that show up. Then uh, I would say <clears throat> this is the time of year for you to uh, for you to jump all over throwing those bigger baits, you know, I still throw a lot of, uh, SST or small, um, shad tail baits, depending upon whatever your manufacturer is that you like to throw. Um, you know, typical fish catching colors. I, I don't vary my colors very often. I mean, the water, like I said, is still nice and clean. So you can get away with throwing just about anything right now. Um, the one constant that I keep, you know, I never change is that is the weight of the jig head. Um, I personally like to throw a light jig head, so uh, an eighth ounce or even a sixteenth of an ounce. Um, that's that's really really that's a really good uh, uh, weight size because on ten pound braid you can still cast the thing a mile when it hits the water. It doesn't sound like the cannonball landed in the water, so that's good. Um, let's see, Andrew Mixon's telling us that Pompano loves sand fleas. Sand fleas have bright orange egg dusters. Uh, tons of protein. It's like a, a flashing hot donuts now sign. I know all about that too much, uh, to have a jig with bright orange on it for pomp. So yeah, um, that's true. And a lot of, a lot of the commercial pompano fishermen fish, uh, yellow, orange, and chartreuse for whatever reason. Those three colors are typically the three hottest colors that I know that guys like to throw for pompano. So um, keep that in mind, you know, but use small jigs. You can get away, believe it or not, you can actually get away with throwing spec jigs and shad jigs for pompano. The hooks will hold up for a pompano. Um, and they're, they're just about the perfect size for that too. So, and they will eat a fly if you, if you can present one to it. So keep that in mind as well. But going back to redfish. So our, our illustrious glorified spot tail catfish, as <laughs> I love to call them, um, yeah, this time of year, man, it's just it gets it can get kind of nuts. You'll find groups of fish anywhere from two or three fish in a small group all the way up to a hundred plus fish in, in a school, cruising up and down the flats looking for a school of finger mullet or a bunch of pin fish to just kind of slip up and get trapped up in a pocket. And if you've never seen what I like to call a redfish blitz in the no motor zone or in the mosquito lagoon where they're just going absolutely ballistic on on mullet it is probably one of the coolest things you'll ever see. Um, there's a couple spots up along the uh, east side of the Indian River Lagoon that when we get torrential downpours in the summertime, as we will here shortly um, in the afternoons, if you go 
right at the tail end of those rain, those rain events, um, there's these creeks, little feeder creeks that run up into the shoreline and the mullet try and push up into the shoreline, but they can't because the current coming out is too, is too swift. All the runoff is coming out too fast for them to make it, make any headway. Well, the redfish know this and they'll, they'll gather up these mullet and, and kind of press them up against the bank. And it's just one of the coolest things you'll ever see. Um, I think the last time I saw this was, it was a little while ago. Um, probably about, I don't know, about six months ago or so, I saw it over um, by Banana Creek, uh, over by Peacock's Pocket. So uh, it's pretty neat, man, when, when you see redfish basically porpoising out of the water, almost like a tuna, um, to feed on mullet. It's pretty awesome. But uh, we'll get back into talking a little bit more about redfish here in just a minute. I'm going to hit another commercial break so I can do a screen on this call I got coming in. And then uh, when we get back, uh, we'll be talking to somebody new here from the 904 area code. So stand by. You're listening to Kayak Fishing Radio. I'm your host, Redfish Chuck. Give me the flat to dawn with plenty of tailing fish perfect fly rod yeah. and get ready for some magic. Join Bonefish and Tarpon Trust. Nice fish. And help make sure that the magic never ends. Visit tarbone.org to find out how you can help. Looking for a new cooler with a lifetime warranty and made 100% in the United States? Look no further than Orca Coolers. These roto-molded, rugged coolers feature premium quality, seamless construction, meaning they're built to take whatever you and Mother Nature throws at them. Orca Coolers allow ice to keep for days, and they have non-slip feet so your cooler stays where you want it. With secure external latch system, the lid always stays closed. Orca Coolers, made 100% in the USA, always has been, always will be. Check them out at orcacoolers.com. And welcome back to Kayak Fishing Radio. I have a caller out of Jacksonville area. And you are now live, sir, with Kayak Fishing Radio. Hey, good evening. Good to have you, man. What's your name again? It's Mike from Jacksonville. Mike from Jacksonville. What, what can we do for you tonight, Mike? Well, I'm curious about uh, fishing in your zone, so far as the Indian River, Banana River, whatever. Um, what should you key on? What should you avoid? Uh, is the shrimp becoming a problem this time of year, or uh, is that working in your favor, or what? Well, this time of year, especially for us here, um, as I said earlier, we're going through kind of a transitional period for us where uh, the water's going to start warming up a little bit. Our finger mullet are already starting to show up, which uh, for us down here, in the wintertime, we're pretty much void of life as far as bait fish are concerned. The pinfish kind of disappear, the mullet disappear, and everything kind of hones in on either uh, shrimp or fiddler crabs or, you know, small crustaceans, um, that kind of thing. So uh, right now, the, the bite's actually been a little bit more aggressive. So before you make the trek all the way down here from Jacksonville to fish the Indian River or the Mosquito Lagoon, there's three or four things I would definitely add to your tackle box to take with you down here. Um, the first thing would be 
at least a at least a couple different colors, whatever style of bait you like, but at least a couple different colors of five inch jerk shads. Um, with the mullet showing up, you're going to find that uh, those jerk shads are going to represent that bait fish pattern real, real well. It's going to key in on what those fish are doing right now. They're going to be able to uh, pick up that that vibration off that bait as well when they're sitting in the grass or sitting in the potholes. So just like a mullet makes a vibration when he swims by that when every time you snap the rod tip and jerk that jerk bait, it does the same thing. So uh, I always rig those weedless. Um, I don't rig any of my jerk baits on jig heads. I know that that's kind of popular up in the north end of the state and uh, over on the panhandle side as well. Lots of guys like to rig them on jig heads and stuff, but we just have so much grass down here. And at times, and right now, we start to deal with a bit of floating grass as well. So uh, rather than being frustrated all day long, you know, picking grass off your jerk baits, just go with the uh, go with a 4-0 or even a 5-0 um, weedless hook, and uh, that should do the trick for you. Always add, if, if it's not a scented bait, always add a little something to it just to kind of entice them. Um, what's interesting about our area, and you'll find it when you get down here, Mike, is that uh, there's times when the redfish bite is so aggressive that there's no doubt that he's got, you know what I'm saying, that when you feel that first strike, there's no doubt he's got it. And then there's other times where they almost kind of mouth it, almost like a big trout tends to do. And for that purpose, I like to goop them up with some kind of scent, whether it's Procure or BioEdge or whatever. And um, because when they, when they grab it, that first initial kind of taste test, when that thing just comes to life in their mouth and they, feed, and they taste that it's something that they should be eating as opposed to just a chunk of plastic, um, I think that you get that second strike that's a little bit more of a kill shot, um, giving you a better opportunity for a hookup. And as far as areas are concerned when it comes to throwing those jerk shads, if you can find the big row mullet, all right, so a lot of guys will see like, you know, big, big mullet jumping off in the distance or kind of flicking around on the surface and they kind of ignore it and go and look for bait size mullet. I'm opposite. I love to find those big mullet. So when you find those big giant mullet kind of cruising around and hanging around, focus on those mullet, um, throw those jerk shads straight down the center of the school of mullet, work them relatively slow. Um, you want to keep them up out of the grass, but don't buzz them too fast. And, uh, <clears throat> what happens is our mullet down here act as almost like, uh, uh, I don't know, almost as like sheepdogs. They kind of herd everything together and, and, and kind of push things down the flat. And what you'll find is as those mullet are working across the bottom, across the flat area, maybe in two foot, three foot of water, they're down in the bottom. They're shaking their heads back and forth, eating up all that vegetation. They're scaring shrimp and crabs and small fish up out of, out of the bottom. And those redfish aren't stupid. They'll just follow in behind and just like a gravy train, just sucking whatever they can get. Uh, from the mullet, so um, that's definitely a good a good source of uh, uh, or a good place to start to look, I should say, um, would be those big mullet pods, and you'll find those literally all over the north end of the Indian River, um, the the Mosquito Lagoon. You'll see a lot of the big row mullet on the east side and on the west side, uh, especially up near the Spoil Islands or way up on the flat. Uh, in, in about a foot and a half to two foot of water. Like say you were to launch it at, let's just say, Biolab and paddle north or south out of Biolab along the west, along the west, um, the west bank, you'll see those big groups of mullet. And they usually tend to hang just outside of the, 
the super, super skinny stuff. So right along the first uh, drop break that you find, if that makes any sense. Um, so, yeah, so five-inch jerk baits. Um, the other thing that I love to throw this time of year is just a four-inch paddle tail. Anybody's paddle tail, you know, that you prefer. Um, I, I tend to throw a lot of Slayer baits just because I think that the size of the tail makes a difference to me. It throws off a bit more vibration. Um, the colors, I don't necessarily match the hatch. I mean, I'll, I love chicken off the chain. To me, for whatever reason, that color just kills it. Um, that and molting are my two favorite colors to throw all year round. Uh, those I do rig on jig heads and those I rig on 16th ounce jig heads. Um, nothing too heavy. All my rods are medium action rods. Uh, being new to kayaking, you know, I would definitely suggest that you, you look in the, if you don't already have, you know, a good setup of, um, medium action, say six to 12 pound class rods, about seven foot, seven, two, seven, four, somewhere in there is a good length. Um, cause there's, for whatever reason, uh, redfish tend to like to just swim underneath kayaks. <laughs> so like every, every one I think I've ever hooked from a kayak tries to go underneath the kayak. So, uh, you know, it, the ability to be able to stick the rod tip in the water and kind of angle it away from the kayak a little bit so that your line's not rubbing the bottom of the boat um, will definitely help uh, save you from any break-offs. Um, that's something a lot of guys, I think, don't don't think about is when these fish dive underneath the boat, we beat up our boats most of the time. So there's little burrs and scars and things like that across the bottom of the boat. And uh, if you don't, put the line in the water at, at such an angle to where even if he's underneath the boat, the line's not touching the bottom, then uh, you tend to lose a few fish that way. And then the last thing would be a, a, a topwater plug, um, whichever one, again, that you prefer. My personal favorite uh, to throw right now, I've been, I love the, the Noel Rogers plugs out of South Carolina. They're hand-turned wood plugs. They, they've been working really great. What's cool about that plug is instead of just like a, a standard walk the dog plug that kind of does about a 45 kind of turn, 45 degree kind of turn, this thing will almost do a 90 degree turn on the surface. So when you're walking it nice and slow, I mean, it, it really pushes a lot of water and makes a really big signature on the surface, which I think to me translates into, you know, a little bit more commotion, more of a, more of a true injured bait fish looking uh, kind of thing. The ones I've got don't have any rattles in them. Uh, if I'm going to buy one off a store shelf, the Spook Jr., um, uh, Head and Spook Jr. in trout color, Head and Spook Jr. in bone color are, are my two favorite, are my two favorite topwater plugs. Um, black and silver, like a mullet style will work. Um, but for whatever reason, I've just got a lot of, a lot of faith in that trout, that trout color. Um, when it comes to the, the topwater plug, Obviously, if you see a lot of floating grass wherever you're at, you're probably not going to want to throw that. But if you work yourself off the edge of the flat and any break, any, any change in depth, so say you go from a foot to maybe just a foot and a half, I would work that line, you know, uh, try and cast parallel with that line because it usually, it, it usually runs true for at least, a, a, you know, 100 yards or so, most of our flats here, where the breaks are kind of like, you know, long. So work all of those. If you see like any, uh, if you see any big sand, sand holes, which you'll find in the Mosquito Lagoon, especially, um, there'll be big patches of sand and then you'll be surrounded by grass and more big patches of sand surrounded by grass. 
those are all great targets, things to throw at. Um, when you get down here, if you haven't fished here before, Mike, you'll, what, you'll, what you'll see too is um, you'll be able to see a lot of fish as opposed to Jacksonville where you guys are, are dealing with such a high tide uh, volume that your water tends to stay a little tannic or a little dirty. Down here, we have no tide. So that's another thing to think about. When you fish the north end of the Mosquito Lagoon or the south end of the Mosquito Lagoon or even uh, the north end of the Indian River, there, there virtually is no tide movement at all. Uh, so you don't have to worry about, oh, well, the tide down there is going to be high at such and such a time. It makes no difference. Um, so, yeah, those are coming a couple of things. Did I, I help to answer anything for you there, I think? I, sometimes I get off on rant. Yeah, well, well, yeah, no, you, that's good information. No, actually, I was just curious be the difference between uh, spot fishing versus trolling or, uh, you know, trolling between your spot fishing, uh, what actually works better there? Because you gave me some good information, but how do you link it together? Um, if, yeah. If you're yeah. in a so, foot, foot and a half, do you, do you normally just spot fish where you see something happening or – or is there a trough and a, and a rip rot that you can you can go around and, and you know something's happening there? Or yeah, know. so so our flats here, all right. Um, basically, everything down here is is not necessarily sight fished. I catch a lot of reds fan casting, and I and I highly encourage that anybody who's fishing down here for the first time, you need to be fan casting more than you need to be sight fishing until you get to the point to where you can understand what's going on below the surface by what's happening on top of it. Um, throwing from nine to three, the clock, right? Nine to three uh, and moving up a casting distance and throwing from nine to three and moving up a casting distance is going to put your lure in front of more fish, obviously, but it's going to kind of give you an opportunity to kind of figure out, okay, exactly where are these fish hanging at? So what I like to do is when I get on the, when I first get on a flat, right? I'm in say two foot of water and getting to the flat. You said trolling. Absolutely. Feel free. Throw a, I usually throw a shad tail cause it makes a bunch of vibration or you can, you can try a, a suspending plug will probably work too. Just the grass is sometimes an issue, but um, a, a shad tail thrown out behind the kayak and drug along has caught probably more fish being trolled behind the kayak in the lagoon than, than most things I, I could even tell you about. I got a buddy, Chris Flores, who caught a 48-inch redfish one time. That he was trolling a, uh, yeah, trolling a shad tail behind the kayak, and it was, it was the craziest thing I ever seen. But yeah, so yeah, one of a million there. Yeah, yeah. Well, and my biggest red this past year came on. Uh, well, my biggest red on plastics this past year came on a little shad tail. Um, but I, I'd sight fish that particular fish. But still, um, the. Uh, so I get on the flat, right? I'm fan casting, fan casting, or I'm looking. So if you're out super early in the morning and the water's still a little, a little cool, the first thing that I do is I go straight for the bank. I want to get as close to the bank as I possibly can because to me, uh, that's where the warmest water is going to be, right? right? As soon as the sun starts coming up, that's what's going to get warm the fastest. So I get, I can, I can find reds. I can find trout. I can find snook usually hanging in that literally six inches to a foot, a foot and a half of water. Um, there's no current really. So what you're not really looking for eddies or you're not really looking for 
um, riffraff or anything like that. You're, you're really trying to find um, any bit of structure that you can see, whether that structure be driftwood, dead mangroves, live mangroves, um, even a grass bank, you know, where like uh, the grass is growing off the bottom so high that you can see it kind of laying on the surface, almost like a mat. Um, those types of things are good things to key in on and, and be real stealthy and just kind of take your time and pick those parts, those areas apart. What happens a lot of times, especially this time of year, is the reds are still tailing. They'll still get up and tail. They'll still do their thing because they're still going to eat crabs and shrimp and everything else that comes by gobies or whatever else. But they'll, they'll, they'll focus on that grass. There's, there, we have a grass down here called, we call it red rolly grass. It's like the most annoying grass you'll ever see. But um, the cool thing about red rolly grass is that our shrimp, our brown shrimp here, love to eat that stuff. And so a lot of times you get out on the flat in the morning and you're in, say, a foot to a foot and a half of water. And boom, there's a big old huge patch of red rolly grass. And now you're going to slide up and you're going to sit just outside of it and wait and watch. And every now and again, you'll see just the tip of a tail kind of pop up or you'll see the rolly grass kind of push and move a little bit. You'll see a, you know, a, a, an actual push around it like the, like a redfish is trying to dislodge shrimp from inside of it. Um, and then you know where to throw, right? I mean, but if you, see, if you see a push of fish coming to you or you see a fish tailing out in front of you, for us down here, you always, always, always cast past that fish. Never, ever try and cast to that fish's head. Um, you know, if you, if you put the cast 20 yards past it, it's okay. You know, just take your time with your rod tip to change direction of your lure if the fish should change direction or that kind of thing. I find that when, when I'm kind of working a flat and all of a sudden a, somebody bumps a fish up or a boat runs by and bumps up a school of fish and they're kind of coming at me, bringing a bait and dropping it over their shoulder in front of their nose and just letting it dead stick in the grass results in so many bites because it's a natural reaction for that redfish to see something dart into the grass in front of them because that's what all the prey items do down here. You know, all your crabs, all your shrimp, all your mullet and pinfish, everything tries to first get out of the way by getting down in the grass and kind of hiding. And, uh, you know, you present that lure in the right fashion. I mean, that's the same thing with that big fish I caught um, this past year, uh, right at about 50 inches, got him on plastics and saw a push coming, didn't see the actual fish, brought it over where I thought his head should be, let it drop to the bottom and he ate it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, but if you're going to, if you're going to go from say in the morning, you get up and you're fishing that super shallow stuff and then you're going to move off the shallow stuff and you're going to come out and you're going to fish a little bit deeper, maybe throw top water, maybe throw something with a popping cork. Um, yeah, feel free, of course, to, to troll around and, and keep a bait out. Um, one of the things I tell my customers coming to the shop a lot is don't hesitate to take a big chunk of mullet if you want to, if you want to use bait. Don't hesitate to take a big chunk of mullet like the size of your fist. Put a 5, 6, or 7-0 circle hook in it. Hurl it way out behind you. And as you're drifting across the flat, just let that thing drag through the grass. Forget it's even back there. And a lot of times as you're messing around or you're, you know, bailing rat reds or catching slot fish, all of a sudden that one rod will just go nuts. And that could be a 40-inch fish, 50-inch fish. Um, I've actually used, it's kind of funny, I, I used to use a lot um, 
finger mullet, but I, I'd catch a bunch of them and freeze them in, in Ziploc bags. And I just take a frozen finger mullet and I'd hurl it way out behind the kayak and literally just drag it through the grass and forget about it. And I can't tell you how many giant trout I've caught on dead finger mullet, you know, and it just, it works. I mean, to me, I, I guess it's kind of the same as a big redfish. The bigger they get, the kind of lazier they are. And if a meal should just so happen to present itself in front of them, they're not going to pass it up, you know. Good information. I appreciate that. Yeah, and, and as far as uh, and jot this down too, if you're if you get, if you're taking some notes, um, a couple of boat ramps you, know, you definitely go to one or one. What's that? I have been writing down some of this down. Oh, okay. Actually. Yeah, if you want to jot down a couple of places to launch, um, the I've got a handful of places I like to go and explore. Um, the WSEG ramp over by the Mosquito Lagoon is a cool spot because it offers two different kinds of fishing scenarios. So you have the Clinker Islands that work north and south, okay, all the way up along the along the lagoon. Um, they're small spoil islands. And what you have is you have a fishery that is completely different on one side as it is on the other. So say that you're, you're working, uh, the inside of the spoil islands on the West bank between the islands and the shoreline itself, you're going to find reds and trout and black drum and snook and things like that in between that section. Right. And that's more sight fish than anything else because it's a lot of grass You've got a lot of sandbars and stuff that kind of come off of those islands and such. So that's fun to do if you want to sight fish a lot of things. If you go straight across from the WSEG ramp, you come across the pole and troll zone. The pole and troll zone is a large area in the Mosquito Lagoon that is, as, it, as it's claimed, uh, pole, uh, push pole or trolling motor only for skiffs, right? So you can't, you, they, they can't use a power, uh, power engine to run up in there. They can't use an actual outboard to run up into the pole and troll zone. And they're not even supposed to crank up the outboard until they're out of the pole and troll zone. The nice thing about that is there's not a whole lot of guides that are willing to go all the way to the back of the pole and troll zone with their clients, push pulling or on a trolling motor. So us as kayakers, we kind of have an advantage at that point. You can slide back up in there and sometimes find some fish that may, might not have been beat up for, you know, a couple of weeks. Excuse me. That would be pretty willing to, uh, to, take a, to take a lure presented to them in the proper way, you know. Um, and then, of course, you've got the, the deeper edges of the flats. Like right in front of the, uh, the pole and troll zone, there's a couple of nice drop-offs that sometimes will hold big fish. So if you wanted to get after a couple of, you know, pigs, just to have a pig, you know, on your lap for a, a good photo op, um, fish those edges of those drops. The big fish, the I would say the 39 to 50-inch fish, tend to stay in about two foot to about four foot of water in the Mosquito Lagoon. Um, not always. Every now and again, you'll find a pig up in the really skinny stuff. But for the most part, that's about the depth that they like to be in. And there's not a whole lot of areas um, that are that deep on a flat right? It's usually right at the edge of the flat where it's, it's either about to begin or where the flat is ending. So as long as you're on an edge, you know, you'll usually find some big fish. Uh, down just south of WSEG, you've got Beacon 42. Beacon 42, like WSEG, offers you a couple different fishing scenarios. You've got uh, the clinkers, 
You can hide inside the clinkers if you get some wind. Sometimes, if, as long as it's not a north or south wind, you can hide inside the clinkers. It's a great place to go when it's windy out of the west or out of the east. You can take that down to Hallover Canal and fish all the way down through, all the way down to Hallover Canal, which everyone knows Hallover is a really good place to fish if you're going to fish bait. Um, you can be real successful in Hallover during the daytime, too, with, uh, with stink bait. So anything with some Procure on it or any of the scent products, uh, gulp, any of that kind of thing will work real well there. Um, further south than that, you have the actual Hallover ramp. I would leave that alone and just bypass it. You got Biolab, which is uh, still a little bit south of uh, Hallover. It's about, I think, a mile and a half or two miles south of Hallover. The nice thing about Biolab is north of Biolab, you've got a bunch of different little fishing sloughs. I call fishing sloughs. Um, they, they used to be boat channels for the uh, homesteaders that were out there before NASA took over the property. There used to be a bunch of home sites out there. And uh, so what you have now is basically um, man-made transitional areas between flats and deeper water. So as you go north, out of Biolab, you'll find uh, you'll be on a flat, maybe a foot, foot and a half of water, two foot of water, and the next thing you know, the bottom drops out and you're in about six foot of water. And it's only usually about maybe 15 feet across. So these are good. These are great spots to hit first thing in the morning. If you get there early, now, the sun's just good. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt. Is, is, is any of this a uh, controlled area by mass? or is this just uh, since they're not launching anymore, they they just let it go or what? No, no, no. N- none of this stuff is NASA controlled. I mean, it's it's all part of the wildlife refuge, the National Wildlife okay. Refuge. So yeah, everything everything south of uh, the the main road going in, which is uh, the Max Brewer Road going in to uh, the refuge, everything south of that is is considered. Uh, NASA property. Everything north of that. Control boat coming up on me. <laughs> yeah, no, you're good. You're good you know, to fish all home, these areas. Homeland Security. <laughs> yeah, no, you're good to fish all these areas. Um, it's a good question, but no, you're good to fish all these areas. And at, at each boat ramp, you'll find a little, uh, little uh, pamphlet. You have to have the Merritt Island Wildlife Refuge use permit. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. It does cost you to park at these boat ramps. Like five bucks for the day or something like that, but um, and it's on the honor system. But they have been checking. I know a lot of guys who have been getting popped lately for not paying their little five bucks or going to the. You can go to the uh, guard shack and actually pay. I think it's like twenty five bucks or thirty bucks for a full year. But anyhow, um, so yeah, you got Biolab, and then uh, coming back away from there, uh, if you if you come in. Say so you come in towards uh, come into Titusville, and you go over the Max Brewer Bridge to go out to the Wildlife Refuge. You could put in either on the east or on the west side of the water as well. Once you go over the top of the causeway, you'll see there's like two beach landings on either side. Yeah, I'm familiar with those. Okay, yeah. So on the south side, you've got Catfish Creek and Gator Creek and all that, and that takes you down around the, to Peacock's Pocket. That's all pretty good fishing still, believe it or not. I mean, it gets hit really, really hard by the guys on the on the wildlife refuge dikes, but um, it's still pretty good fishing. And then to the north, you got a lot of culverts up that way. You've got the, uh, the marsh area that runs up in the shoreline, and then you got, of course, the railroad bridge. Um, if you've got the stamina to get up around the railroad bridge and come back into the east side, 
that's some that's some pretty productive flats right there. That all those all those flats work on the outside edge of Black Point Wildlife Refuge or Black Point Wildlife Drive. Excuse me. Um, you're not allowed to fish or crab on Black Point Wildlife Road. So all of those estuaries back up in there never get fished. So there's days where the wind's blowing the right direction, the water's leaving out of those back bay areas, and the fish just stack up in front of it because that's that's their home, but they're out of water, so they come out on the flat. So I've had some, some really, really productive days up that way where I've caught, you know, double-digit redfish, double-digit trout. Uh, you might have a couple of, of shots at some tarpon anywhere from – you know, small guys, two and three pounders, all the way up to 15 to 20 pounders. Um, you know, so always, always kind of have a, a few different things tied on at the ready. You know, if you get some, some decent sized tarpon cruising in, in my opinion, if, if I had to pick one artificial to throw it at, at a, at a 15 pound tarpon, it's going to be a Miradine from Miralore. Um, they just love those things. Those and twitching wraps from uh, Rapala. Those work real well. I do change out the hooks if I'm going to be targeting tarpon. Uh, I go to a circle hook. But, you know, uh, other than that, the north end, you've and got – Circle uh, hooks on the same two you were just talking about. You want to change it out yeah. on those two? On, on, the, on, the, uh, on the plugs. Yeah, I'll use okay. the circle hook. I won't use the big circle. I'll still use maybe a, um, maybe a 3-0 or even a 4-0 dependent upon the size of the actual circle hook. Depend, different manufacturers call a 3.0, a 3.0, 4.0, and right. it, should be, it right. should be more universal, but it's not. So, like, if you look at a right. Gamagatsu 3.0 and, a, and an Owner 3.0 and a, a, a VMC 3.0, chances are they're, they're all three of them are going to be different size hooks. Um, okay. And I, like a, I, like, I truly like a light wire hook. Um, because I don't, if it's if to me if it's too thick, it almost weighs the plug down in an unnatural way, um, and I always offset my circle hooks too. I, I don't I don't ever leave a circle hook the way it comes in a bag. I always take a pair of pliers and offset it. Um, just helps for a hookup ratio, especially on fish with big mouths like a redfish. Um, if you're chunking chunking a big piece of, of mullet or ladyfish and you're using a 7-0 circle hook, I take, like I said, I take the two pair of pliers and I bend that hook just a little bit to kick that bar about, you know, just, just enough, you know, to make it, uh, to make it uh, a little bit difference, you know, make that little bit of a difference that'll catch the inside of that jaw. So um, I hope that works for you there. And then don't forget too, we've got a great bridge fishery here and nobody takes advantage of it. Um, this is the time of year when all of the big black drum are going to start moving and, and focusing on structure. So yeah, we're starting to get uh, black drum up here, actually. Um, yeah, it, it, and, and you know, th- it's one of those fish that often goes overlooked by our, us as kayakers here locally because, for well, at least for those of us that like to throw plastics all the time, because they can tend to be kind of a pain when it comes to that. Um, or sometimes you're fishing a tournament, you catch three on plastics in one day, and you just scratch your head because it never happens. But, um, you know, we, we, fish, we fish the bridges quite a bit for a black drum. Um, nothing works better, in my opinion, than just a chunk of a, a, just a piece of shrimp, honestly. By the mm-hmm. biggest shrimp you That's can get. That's why I was get. asking about the shrimp earlier. Yeah, I know yeah. That, uh, you know, when, when the shrimp are flowing, 
that can be your worst enemy. They're, they're hitting that and not you. So. Yeah, well, you know, what's, what's, again, what's interesting for us, though, is um, you guys, when your shrimp move up there, they're moving with the tide. When our shrimp move down here, they tend to move at night or they tend to move, well, they, they mo- almost always move at night, but they tend to move when it's a little bit breezy and you're probably not going to be out on the water in a kayak most of the time for that. Right. So, right. yeah, it's a little bit different. But uh, what's going to start happening is the size of the shrimp here, especially our bait shrimp, are going to go down as the water warms up. For whatever reason, uh, the big shrimp are gone and you tend to get just little dink shrimp at the at the bait shop. So what I like to do leading into the summertime is if I go shrimping myself, I'll keep, you know, some big ones to eat, but I'll keep a handful of big ones for, for frozen bait for later on down the road, whenever you need to go. And, you know, you know, you can't go to the local bait shop and get decent shrimp. So, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things. If you take a shrimp and leave, leave it out on the, on the bow of your kayak most of the day and it turns pink and starts to get nasty and starting to stink real bad, it's not quite stinky enough for the black drum. Um, what I usually do for black drum, especially on the bridges, is I'll take a pack of frozen shrimp and I'll leave it out overnight. And it sounds disgusting, but I'll put it in a flow trail. You really want it to get rancid. Yeah, I want it as nasty as it's going to get. What happens is uh, you tend to get a lot less trash fish with rancid shrimp, and you tend to get more black drum with rancid shrimp. I don't know why that I never is. Tried it. I'm going to have to give that a shot. That sounds right, though. You're, you're yep. probably what, dead on with that. And what we do, too, down here, which a lot of guys don't do, but we, we found for it to work real well, especially out of our flats boats and bay boat days, is uh, we take clams. We'll go out and buy, you know, two or three clams if you're going to go beach fishing with them, and we'll just smash them together. And don't take the actual meat out of them. We just smash the shells together. And we'll pitch them out behind the kayak. So we'll get on anchor in the kayak, right? Because you want to you want to be on anchor when you hook these things. Because our black drum here are going to be average fish, five to ten pounds. Uh, a medium sized wow. fish, twenty to thirty pounds. A big fish, forty to sixty pounds. And oh. you will eventually hook one that's over that, and you'll never you'll never see them. So, but wow. we we get on anchor, right? We set up on anchor. And always ha- I always use a, a large pill-style float for my anchor line because if I need to break loose of it, I just throw it over the side, don't worry about it, come back and get my anchor later. And I crush those, those clams together, throw them out in front of the kayak, right in front of where I'm going to set my bait, right? Same thing with that rancid trout. I'll take, I'll take a few pieces of that, and I'll throw that out in front of me, kind of creating a bit of a chum slick, chum line, if you will, and what will happen, these black drum will swim up, and they'll come out from the fenders. They'll come out away from the pylons because you never throw it to the pylons. You always throw it between the two sets of pylons if you're fishing a bridge, you know, out in the, out in the open, so to speak. So it'll draw them away from the pylons. That's your biggest problem right, when you hook the cover. Yeah. You hook a big black drum. I mean, I'm talking a monster on uh right up on the power line uh, right up on the on the pylons the chances of getting them away from those pylons in a kayak truly is like slim to none every now and again you get lucky you hook the one stupid fish that turns and burns the opposite direction of the bridge but for the most part if they eat and they're right near the pylons you're done so 
we try to draw them out and away from there. So at least when you, when you first hook them, if you bury the drag and you, and you put it on them and we're not using 2,500s and 3000 size spinner reels for this, we're using, um, four O pen senators. We're using 8,000 size spinner reels with 40 pound braid, 60 pound mono leader, because again, it could only be a five pounder, but it could also be a 60 pounder. You know, there's, there's no way to tell which one you're going to get. So that's a fun fishery. And then uh, <clears throat> typically if the water doesn't get real, real dirty, if it stays somewhat clean throughout the beginning of spring, we have an incredible mangrove snapper fishery inshore down here. So you can come down with some live shrimp or go net some small greenies or pilchards, uh, small, real small fingerling mullet, um, drop them down on a split shot and just, just, you can almost count to like 10. And if you don't have a hit by 10, move to the next set of pylons and, and keep working the structure that way until you find a group of them. And you can chum for them. You can bring them out away from the pylons. You can go out and buy a bag of chum like you would if you were going to go offshore, hanging off the back end of the kayak and get them to come away from the structure the same way as they would if you were in 80 feet offshore. Um, for those guys, I go light. I use fluoro. I use like 12-pound fluorocarbon and uh, usually a 1 or a 1-0 live bait style hook. I don't like a circle hook for mangrove snapper. I like a live bait style hook because – when they pick it up, I fish and free spool for those. So uh, I leave the bale open on my spinning reels, <clears throat> or if I'm using a bait caster, I you know push the button down and just hold it with my thumb. Because what what happens is you want that fish to pick the bait up and swim off with it and feel like he's good. There's no no resistance, right? So I tend to free line a lot of my baits that way. If you're not going to use the split shot, just free line it. And they pick it up and they start running with it. Let them go with it because what's happening underneath the surface is this one mangrove snapper is sitting around 40 of his buddies. And he's the one lucky one that got to eat the piece of shrimp or the mullet. Well, they want the mullet. <laughs> they want the shrimp. So he's going to shoot out away from them to go gulp down his, his breakfast or his lunch. And while he's doing that, you know, you're letting him feed off and you've done two things now. Now you've got him away from the structure most of the time. So when you do come tight to him, when you close the bale and you just real tight to him, he's there. You can rip his face off at that point and then, you know, crank him up and then you can have yourself a nice snapper sandwich. <clears throat> but, uh, and then of course, uh, near, near and around the bridges, of course, the redfish will get in there too, but we have a great sheephead bite, um, spade fish every now and again on some of the bridges. We've got keeper legitimate keeper grouper that hang around some of our bridges as well. So again, it's always kind of one of those catch 22s. Do I fish with the light stuff for the mangrove snapper or do I bring out like a 5,000 size spinner reel just in case I should hook one of these grouper? At least I'll have somewhat of a shot, you know, but then at the same time, if you do that, sometimes you tend to over tie a leader. You'll go from wanting to use 12 to 25 or something and you won't get the mangrove bite. So it's kind of a, you know, you kind of, I go out with a game plan of what I want to go, what I want to go target. If I'm going to go target mangroves, I don't care about anything else but mangrove snapper, you know. So, but that's a, a couple scenarios for you, I guess. No, it's been some great information. I, I, I'm stoked, man. I tell you, I'm ready to pack it up and come up down. <laughs> Actually, yeah. 
Um, the only thing is, is I could, uh, I guess I could give a, 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 a test of could we change the website to where when you log on as a, a guest, if you don't have a Facebook, you can still text in? Because yeah, I'm we're, we're, I'm, that's me right there. Yeah, we're, you know, we're working just, on trying uh, to. That's why I had to fire this. Yeah, we're working on trying to do that. Um, we've got a lot of things we need to do. There's uh, there's a lot of um, what what, there's a lot of folks that have been emailing us asking about our app too. We've got an app that tends not to work. Um, uh, so well, yeah, we're working on. It works for me. I've got the app, but the problem is I don't want to sit there and listen to it and then eat my data up. When I got my computer fired off right now, you know, it's just uh, I can't. I'm logged in as a guest, which is fine. I don't have a Facebook. I don't really have a need for one, and I don't want to create one just for this. I can just pull up my phone because there's no no minutes on this. I could talk to you all night, you know. So, but I just don't want yeah, to have the line to where there may be somebody else that has something more interesting than me. So. <laughs> No, no worries. Uh, you know, we've got uh, if you if you end up getting a Facebook page at some point, um, we have our local group called Space Coast Kayak Anglers, <clears throat> and feel free to, that to dot com or uh, just no, no, no. Facebook? It's just it. Yeah, it's just on Facebook. We don't have a website, so um, even if you just made a Facebook page just to use that that uh, particular group, um, it's it's a wealth of information, man. The guys that fish from that group are. Uh, some of the best in, in central Florida, if not the entire country, as far as inshore fishermen are concerned. And, uh, you know, everyone's usually pretty willing to take a new guy out and show him the ropes and show him around. We get, I've got quite a few friends up in the Jacksonville area that come down and we fish together sometimes. And, you know, we got a lot of tournaments to go on down here. So it's a, it, it, it'd be a good opportunity for you to meet some folks too, that live here that you can piggyback on with their trips and, uh, you know, kind of see how we do it, you know, as opposed to, trying to figure it out for yourself, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I tell you what, man, I'm I'm stoked. I can't wait to get down there because uh I know what we got here which is fine and dandy, but uh I want to put some more in the boat, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what that's I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, man. Uh for me, I like to I like to go catching not not so much on the fishing side of things. So, um but yeah, we'll take that. Take those notes, man. Put it to good use. If you're down in the Titusville area, feel free to swing by the shop. I will um, be there very soon. And I appreciate good. all this information. It's been awesome. Absolutely, brother. I appreciate you calling us. Well, and uh, you have, have a good night. You have a great evening. And I'll talk you to too, you again. Buddy. Sounds good, Bye. buddy. Take it easy, Mike. And from Mike, I believe this is the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Durwood. Someone there. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Kayak Fishing Chuck. Radio. Is Chuck? Yeah. Hey man, this is Anthony Fishkins. Oh, look, it's Anthony. Anthony Fishkins been hanging on the line for twenty-five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. Well, real, listen. If if you guys get a chance. Uh, guys here in the chat room, I know some of the guys are getting ready to jump off, but um, if you guys get a chance here, listen up, because this is going to be a tournament you're not going to want to miss. This is uh, 
Anthony Fishkins, I'm going to let you have the floor, man. Tell us all about the tournament, brother. Cool. Thanks, Chuck. Appreciate it, man. Uh, we're doing our uh, first um, inshore slam coming up April 11th and 12th. This is going to be a catch photo release tournament. So we really want all the, the kayak guys out there to be part of it, enjoy it, have a good time. Um, we're doing, um, you know, the token deal. You know, you'll come to the captain's meeting Friday night, pick up your your official token, get all your uh, photos with them in there. Uh, we got probably 20 different, uh, 20, 25 different payouts for this tournament. Uh, of course, our slam is going to be redfish, trout, and black drum. With all the big black drum are moving in, so it'll be a lot, a lot better that way. Um, then, of course, you got your, your, you know, your biggest trout. Uh, I mean, biggest uh, tarpon, biggest snook. Then we got some fun ones too. You know, like we're gonna pay out a hundred bucks for uh, biggest puffer fish or <laughs> biggest pinfish. You know, smallest trout, biggest catfish. You know, so the guys that say, "Oh man, I can't catch a redfish," you know, you can you can win two hundred bucks by catching the biggest ladyfish. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So you know, yeah. with, 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 what you've just done basically is you've you've made you've made some of us. Uh, forget about wanting to even go and mess with redfish and just go sweep the trash can. Sure, sure. I mean, you could catch all those fish and play with, with six, seven hundred bucks, you know, and it's only thirty-five dollars <laughs> to enter the tournament. Yeah, yeah. There you go. And, and it's going to be where's it, where's it located? The same place it always is, Old Florida uh, Grill. Yeah, Old Florida Grill, right there on the river uh, in Port St. John, Cocoa area. Um, you know, it's uh, just south of Titusville, uh, just, you know, west of Port Canaveral. I mean, and you can fish. You can fish any water. There's no restriction on that. Um, it's, uh, I'm, really, I'm really hoping that all, all the, the kayak fishermen do uh, come participate and, and uh, make it a big event. You know, uh, I think it's, it's going to be a good one. You know, it's, it's, we, we drew 231 entries for our redfish tournament. You know, I'm hoping to draw more than that, you know, just because of the catch photo release deal. Yeah, I know that there's a, a lot of kayakers, especially in our group with Space Coast Kayak Anglers, that are already talking about fishing this one. And there's a there's a bunch of guys that are um, that are talking about uh, boat fishing it as opposed to fishing it from uh, from their kayaks. But it should be a lot of fun. The date is the 11th and 12th of April. Yeah, 11th and 12th. The fishing day is the Saturday, the 12th. Uh, and but uh, the captain's meeting will be Friday night, and you can register online at fishkins.com for thirty-five dollars. If you wait till Friday night at the captain's meeting, it's going to go up to forty-five dollars. Nice. And uh, of course, we're going to have a big raffle and all that stuff too on Saturday night with the awards. You have to be in by four o'clock, and then we'll you know do all the checking, all the photos, all that stuff, and. Uh, then we'll do the awards and the raffle. We got a big, uh, an, an awesome fishing ready kayak to give away. You know, thanks to uh, you guys, you know, at KPB Outfitters and Kayaks by Bo. So we're stoked to be able to give that away. Yeah, and if you guys don't, if you guys don't know uh, about Fishkins, Fishkins is a apparel company that uh, Anthony owns and. If you haven't seen any of their logos, you're probably not looking at the backs of trucks and the backs of fishermen and bait shops because 
the stuff's everywhere, man. And uh, it's really, really cool artwork. In fact, I'll tell you what, man. Here's a little, a little, uh, uh, a little side note for you. I had another guy, uh, another shirt manufacturer in the shop the other day, and he was, you know, pitching me his his, his apparel line or whatever. And he goes, I'll tell you what, dude, he's honest to God. If I didn't own an apparel company, all I would wear is Fishkin stuff because their stuff's legit. <laughs> so, so that's pretty cool. When one guy, when one guy from, yeah. from the industry says the same thing, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is, man. When someone says that, cause it's, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to, when you own your own apparel company, you know, it's hard, you don't, you don't really think about wearing anyone else's stuff, but your own, you know? So if you, if you can get someone to say that, that's a, uh, that's a good compliment, man. You know, and I, I do all the artwork and everything that's on them, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's fully, you know, fully, uh, I'm, I'm fully ingrained in it, you know? So that's pretty yeah, cool. Man. Yeah, man. So, uh, what else is new and exciting, brother? What else is going on? Well, it's, uh, getting busy, just being, you know, we're just busy, man. It's our busy season. So, you know, we've got all a bunch of new designs coming out and we're traveling and, you know, we're, uh, you know, trying to, trying to get this thing out there. We're in our sixth year now, so we're finally starting to get there, you know. Haven't been able to yeah. do much fishing at all, but, you know, I used to fish a lot more if I owned, before I owned a fishing apparel company, you know. <laughs> now, uh, now I get to fish like three or four times a year, so. I kind of feel so, your pain, bro. <laughs> yeah, you know how it is now. You own your own business now. You understand, you know. <laughs> I'm working six days a week, man, listening to everybody else's fishing tales. So I try and slide out at any moment that I can to try and uh, figure things out. But yeah, it's uh, it's been cool. It's know, been cool to watch. It's been cool to watch the growth, man, of fish skins. I mean, I remember when you guys first started, and uh, you know, we 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 had your stuff in fish, and I think we had your stuff in Fisherman's World for a little while. And then uh, yeah, we had uh, yep. we definitely had it over at Handler and. Uh, Yep. You know, glad to glad to represent it over at, at uh, KBB Outfitters as well, and all of the really good um, shops here in Bavard County all carry it, man. It's just it's good stuff. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's been. You used to have to beg people to put it in their stories, you know, back five six years ago, you know, but now it's it's proven itself. It's proven that it sells. You know, we got the T-shirts, we, you know, all the performance shirts, you know that. Uh, with the UV protection, everything they've they've really come on fire here in the last you know year or two, and uh, people are really understanding the technology behind the shirts and appreciating a good shirt and how much it helps you out there, you know. And that's you know that that's opened up a lot of things for us too. And you're getting ready to start doing uh, more your wraps again, aren't you? You can start doing uh, vehicle wraps, boat wraps, kayak wraps, whatever you want wrap. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We're, we're we're working on that. Right. We're working on that as we speak, man. You know. So hopefully, you know, next six months or so, something we we get that up and rolling. You know, get a couple of kayaks wrapped out there. You know, get them uh, running around with some fishkins on them, so people can see what they look like. Because you don't see too many of them out there with it. So I'd like to, you know, definitely get a couple out there. Get your get yours out there looking good. You know. Hey, I'm all about it. Yeah, our buddy there in the uh, chat room, our buddy there in the chat room, uh, Mr. Andrew Mixon, he's got uh, his kayak wrapped as, so, as well as his really? son's boat. Yeah, they're both wrapped. They, nice. look, they would look killer, man. And it's one of those things that every time you see those guys pull up, it's like it just draws your attention. Sure. Yeah, it's very good. Cool. Sure. Yeah, 
Sure, yeah. Very you, cool. get, uh, you do the, the kayak, wrap the truck, you know, you do make make the whole thing look uh look awesome when you're at the at the spot, you know? Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Well cool. April eleventh and twelfth. Uh the yep. it, it unfortunate as as Drew just said, it's the DOA tournament that particular weekend, but that's okay. Um that was right. a limited. Well, I know a lot of guys I've actually talked to I'm glad you brought it up because I actually talked to a couple guys um and you know they're gonna fish they're gonna fish both. You know, they're gonna try they're gonna they're gonna enter in both the tournaments and fish for both and whatever one you know they do better, you know, they're gonna bring their you know, they're gonna bring their fish, you know. So hey. there's nothing I don't have a problem with that, you know, but you, the only thing you, you do have to be if you wanna you know, your fish to count in the awards, you you have to personally bring it to the to the to the way in before four o'clock, you know. So you can't have your your buddy bring yours there and you go to the other one or whatever, you know. Right. But I do. Yeah. But I do have a few guys that have, are are have entered both the DOA and our fish games one too. So just just to keep in mind. I mean, I know a lot of people don't want to get that crazy and stuff, but just keep in mind that's not a problem with us. We're pretty easy, you know, and on on the rules and all that. So. Which, by that, the way, by the way, kudos, kudos to you, bro, for doing a boat, land, uh, kayak, wade, whatever um, CPR event. I mean, that, that's awesome. Thank I mean, you. it's one of those things that <clears throat> this is this is this is the wave of the future, I think, in tournaments. Um, sure. You know, there's there's a lot of guys that that will enter events that just because they're CPR events and. Uh, you know, hey, good on you, man. It's 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 really really cool for uh, for you guys to have done that. Makes it a lot easier for us kayakers and shore based fishermen to compete with guys in boats. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think you definitely have an advantage over the guys in the boats in a tournament like this. You know, I mean, it's you know everyone will argue one way or the other, but you know, the way I look at it is, I mean, I think you, I think the kayakers definitely have the advantage, the upper hand on, on this tournament. You know. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a good time. It always is. Anytime, you, anything you oh, guys yeah. put together is always a good time. The captain's meeting, that's I'm sure, first, will be. That's the first goal, man. That's the that's the first goal. We want it to be a good time. Everybody bring the family out, have a good time. You know, have a few beers, get something to eat. You know, it's all that's 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 our first goal. You know, and then and then we then, we, then put a little money in some people's pockets. You know, that's always a good thing too. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, cool, man. I appreciate the uh, the call. Appreciate the heads up. Um, if anybody has any comments, questions, or concerns for Anthony about this tournament, you can reach him uh, on Facebook um, at Fishkins. Yep. Was it Fishkins Apparel on Facebook? Yeah, I think it's uh, Fishkins Inshore and Offshore Apparel is the actual full one. Um, or you email address. Go website. Uh, yeah, my email, uh, my direct email is Anthony at Fishkins.com. And of course, if you go to the website, there's a tournament link. You can go right there. there go to the website fishkins.com. It shows the uh, rules. It shows the payout classes. Uh, it has you know all the registration for you know gen- for a general or uh, lady angler, junior angler. Has everything right in there. And then even if you if you saw questions from there, there's a contact us link right there. You can just you know, click on it and ask us a question. You know, it's no no problem. Very cool. Very cool. Well, we definitely appreciate it, bro. Thank you so much for putting on and putting up, putting forth the effort to do such a tournament. 
and uh, give literally everybody a shot at winning some money. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. Yeah, man, well, definitely. I hope, hope to see you out there for sure, man, fishing it, and everyone everyone else too, man. That'd be great. Absolutely. You know we'll be there. All right, buddy. Take it easy, man. I'll talk to you soon. You got it. Later, bro. Bye. So there you go. There you go. Not sure what you're going to do that particular uh, – what's up, Micah? You're not particularly sure what you're going to do that weekend? Come on out on uh, the 11th to the Fishkins captain's meeting over at the old Florida Grill. It's right on the river. It's a lot of fun, man. Every, every time these guys put on a tournament, the captain's meeting is always a good time. Um, and look – Everybody at every skill level has got an opportunity of, of winning this thing. I mean, all it takes is one big fish in, what do you say, 15 or 16 different payouts or, I don't know. It's crazy. Smallest trout, ladyfish, catfish, pufferfish, black drum, redfish, trout. Crazy. So $35 entry fee. If you pay in advance, 45 the day of the event. And then, of course, we've got the IFA coming up as well here in Titusville. Uh, Kayaks by Bo and KBB Outfitters will be the, uh, I guess, the home destination for that, that tournament. When is that? That's the following weekend, isn't it? I believe it is. The following weekend after the uh, Fishkins. So if you want to enter into that tournament, I'm sure we'll see Spazzy there, old Justin Ritchie, maybe making a three-peat. He might even show up at the Fishkins. Who knows? April 27th. Thank you, Andrew. Um, also, too, uh, the I believe it is the same. May get DQ'd. That's messed up. Um, it's kind of funny, though. Uh, I think it's the same weekend, the 11th and 12th. I have to check. But over on the west coast of Florida, there's a tournament for – a uh, young man by the name of Cooper. Um, let me see. I know I have. I know I've got the team Coop. I think that's what. Yep, that's what it is. Stand by. Pulling up some information real quick. Uh, where is the tournament information? Here it is. April twelfth. Yep. Darn it. Um, April twelfth is going to be the. Uh, kayak for coop kayak fishing tournament paddlefishing.com um, is, is I guess is one of the main sponsors of this event it's going to be over in Sarasota if you cannot make it to this tournament you can still do something for uh, for coop and his family um, you can buy raffle tickets ahead of time you don't have to be present to win um, you may you may want to do that, man. I mean, this is just this is one of those things. It's a great cause. Uh, Cooper was diagnosed with inoperable brain cancer. I believe he's two and a half years old. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I need to say any more about that. So you know, do what you can. Go go over to uh, paddle fishing forums, and you can get some more information on that. You can go to Facebook, the team Coop, um, and. Uh, He's got 1,220 likes on that Team Coop page. Um, hopefully, we can raise a bunch of money for his family and and uh, help him get through his uh, chemotherapy and um, just pray for the little guy. He's, a, he's an adorable little man and um, should have 
the same chance at life as the rest of us do. So there's that. And then, uh, so you got a bunch of different things you can do. You got the DOA tournament, you got the, the tournament for uh, Cooper, you got the Fishkins tournament, you've got the following weekend, or was it two weeks afterwards, you got uh, the, the uh, IFA event. And uh, let's see, Big Drew will be at the Vero Beach Boat Show the 12th and 13th, live and in person talking fishing and doing a seminar beginning kayak fishing on both days. There you go. So go on down to Vero Beach, check it out, and uh, see Drew down there. Maybe Drew may have some, uh, might even autograph your kayak for you or something when you show up. Um, Anybody else got anything in the chat room there you guys want me to cover? I want to thank everybody who showed up in the chat room tonight. Uh, Dean Zimmerman, got a couple guests there, non-pro staff Murdoch. Uh, New Smyrna Beach Mike, uh, Justin Ritchie, of course, uh, Drew Mixon. Um, autographs are not free, he says. No problem. So, uh, um, And then if you missed this, this live uh, show, you can always listen to it on a podcast. Or if you missed part of it, you can pull it up on a podcast at iTunes. It's free. It's a free download off of iTunes. Um, I'm going to try and do a little bit better job of giving people a heads up about the shows. I know this is one of those things that, can go by the wayside on a Monday. It's a little, it's a tough time slot for me. I've uh, been been at this for almost four years, I guess now, or pretty close to three and a half. Um, and uh, but yeah, thank you guys so much for joining us tonight. We're running out of time here, kayak fishing radio. But what I want to leave you guys with real quick is um, something to look forward to. We've got uh, the cobia migration is still going on off our beaches. I'm not going to forget about that. There's plenty of triple tail going on as well. Um, thank you for that, Drew. May 30th, offshore kayak fishing seminar at KBB Outfitters. Um, so let's see. Um, what does it say? Oh, offshore. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you got all kinds of creatures will be cruising up and down the beach here shortly in Brevard County. Um, fishing's going to get good as that bait continues to move on down. I uh, got word that there was some pogies, not many, but some pogies cruising along the beach. That's a good sign. Lots of sardine schools offshore a bit. Um, look for some mothership trip opportunities coming forth from the Space Coast area. We have uh, I have a good friend of mine who is in the in the midst of purchasing a 52 foot Hatteras, and uh, <clears throat> he's talking about wanting to run mothership trips with the Hatteras. Um, I myself am going to be going on a mothership trip at some point over the next couple of weeks. Um, looking forward to that. We're going to get out and try and play with some rare and endangered red snappers and maybe a grouper or two and get on some amber jacks and uh, have a, uh, have a good time out there. If we get a weather window, hell, we might even take them to the other side of the stream and try and get on some tunas. But with that being said, folks, again, thank you so much for tuning into the show. I uh, greatly, greatly appreciate it. Peppy, I hope your little one is doing good. Um, congratulations to uh, all those who fished the Florida Pro and the Boat Series. Um, I heard it was a pretty tough tournament to, to fish with the weather and everything, so congratulations to those who placed well. Um, didn't never had an opportunity on the show to, to congratulate um, Justin, because last week we weren't here. But uh, good job, brother. You made us proud again. Um, won a tournament where he was fishing against, what, 30-something boats and a few other kayakers. 
um, killer. That's just that's freaking awesome, man. I mean, that's any any time a kayaker can go out and spank a bunch of dudes in boats. Whoa, go out and 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 compete against dudes in boats and beat them. <laughs> that's uh, that's always a good thing. So uh, way to represent, brother. You you my friend are an inspiration to us all. And with that, I'm going to bid you guys adieu. I want to thank my sponsors real quick. Hobie Kayaks, Orca Coolers, Tackle Webs, Railblazer, Yak Gear, Ego Nets, ENO, Bending Branches, Slayer Inc., Lure Company, KBB Outfitters, KBB, Real Adrenaline Energy Drinks, Adventurous Custom Rods, and Intova Cameras. And folks, if you're out there listening to the show tonight and you're looking to upgrade your current tackle situation or you're looking to, or, you know, possibly get into fly fishing or what have you, feel free to shoot me over an email, redfishchuck at hotmail.com. If there's anything I can do for you, I will be more than happy to do it. All of my listeners of my show receive 10% off on everything in the shop, uh, and we can work on shipping. So, um, yeah, let me know. Other than that, God bless. Take kid fishing to the future of our sport. And, uh, well, yeah, take a kid fishing. A, because it's good for the soul. Take a kid fishing because sometimes you get humbled when you watch a child who who can't walk, can't talk, but smile ear to ear in a, in a wheelchair as he's catching his first ever fish. I mean, as a father, look, it doesn't get any cooler than that. And uh, with that being said, uh, I want to thank um, the Banks family, Ricky Banks from Banks Lures, for the uh, project they're working on. We'll give further details as soon as we can. But, man, those, those are some good people, man. Get out there and take a, take a look at their lures. Um, support this, this family because I'm telling you what, this guy, man, they're just good people. And with that being said, we're out. I'll talk to you guys next week. Uh, we'll have Peppy back. We'll, hopefully we'll have uh, one of the reps from American Tackle joining us talking about the uh, microwave guides and, Whoever else wants to join in and, and talk about their products, we'll, we'll have that too. So everybody take it easy. Again, God bless. See you next week. Give me the flat to dawn with plenty of tailing fish. And the perfect fly rod. Yeah. And get ready for some magic. Awesome Join Bonefish and Tarpon Trust. Nice fish. And help make sure that the magic never ends. Visit tarbone.org to find out how you can help.